Welcome to Just the Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by journalist Liliana Byington, who has written on a number of very contemporary topics, including hard seltzers, which we'll be talking to her about today. Liliana is an associate editor for Food Dive. She received her bachelor's degree in journalism from George Washington University, where she served as editor-in-chief of the school's independent newspaper. Before joining Industry Dive, she completed an investigative reporting fellowship with News 21 and has written for different news outlets in Washington, D.C. In her free time, she enjoys traveling, ice skating, and drinking coffee. Liliana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so you recently covered uh, hard seltzers, which, uh, you know, I, I have a number of curious questions about, but I, I can certainly say here in Southern California that it is virtually impossible to go to any social event uh, and not see it being consumed. Um, just to give a, a, even a quick story, I was skiing at a local mountain above Los Angeles yesterday and people are drinking hard seltzers right there in the parking lot. And uh, given, you know, how, how prevalent they are now, it, it's made me pause and say, when did this happen? <laughs> um, I, I know when they started showing up in, in my refrigerator, but uh, for something to go from, uh, as, as I think, as a product that didn't even exist to uh, one that you see, whether it's in parking lots, uh, bars, or a party, or a gathering, or anywhere, um, what, how did we get from from almost uh, you know said not even thought of to everywhere and uh, and we'll, we'll talk about what attributed to such a, a rise to a new category but when did hard seltzers come on the scene because I missed it and all of a sudden they were they were everywhere yeah yeah of course those spike seltzer as you mentioned really blew up this summer um, but it, it's kind of been around for for some years now. Um, but this summer it really kind of expanded because of White Claw and its growth in popularity. So that kind of brought it to the surface and that's where we saw exponential growth this summer. Um, you know, sales of hard seltzer was growing at 164% pace in just the summer, four weeks in July. But hard seltzer has actually been around for, for years now. Um, so spiked seltzer was one of the earlier ones and Anheuser-Busch bought that in 2016. Um, so that was, that's was that been around for a little bit, but it didn't really blow up until recently with, with White Claw. Um, so AB InBev recently rebranded that to Bon & Viv Spike Seltzer, which we see on shelves today. Um, but overall, you know, Spike Seltzer really just, you know, like you mentioned, it's seen everywhere now on retail shelves because of this summer's growth. And a lot of that has to do with White Claw and its marketing and how it kind of blew up on social media and everyone was talking about it with their, you know, clever phrases and and their, it's hitting on a lot of trends today. Um, so that kind of brought it to, to the surface this summer. So let's, let's talk about what some of those trends are. Uh, I don't have any authority to speak on this. However, uh, you know, one thing I have heard is that uh, it's particularly popular with 
millennials because it's deemed as is healthier or uh, you know at the very least kind of a, a cleaner experience um, I have no no idea if if it is healthier um, if it's cleaner but I, I can all, I can understand how it, it feels to, like if you you know drink a spiked seltzer it, it's just it feels like you know closer to water as opposed to something with lots and lots of ingredients um, you know not necessarily strictly you know harmful ones i mean hops barley are, are just ingredients in in beer um but that said it's not just millennials drinking this correct right yeah it's it's a a wide age range of people but definitely millennials were the ones that first kind of made it as popular as it is today i think that a lot of that like you mentioned has to do with this better for you trend where consumers are looking for healthier products in in food and beverage and a hard seltzer, these brands are about 100 calories, and for a beer, you're going to get mostly more than that unless you're drinking light beer. So that's really been a big appeal to people. Um, and I think that a big change with this is that you know it's appealing to both men and women, where alternatives to beer have largely been targeted at solely women, and this is kind of bringing both of those into the fold. Mm. So well winding the clock back a little bit again what 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 were the kind of predecessors to this are we are we thinking about oh gosh was it the Bartles and James I think I'm trying to remember frankly what my mom drank it was the malt beverages right the um strawberry daiquiri in a bottle type things um I don't know maybe you had uh you know Zima I think was was malt out there as well what what were, were some of the I guess the question is what 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 did the industry look at in the past to perhaps project that there was a market for an alternative? And I guess the alternative is to what mixed hard liquor drinks, beer and wine. I mean that that was pretty much what dominated alcohol for for decades. Um, what 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 else? What, what did this kind of um, replace or? Um, pick up off of that had been tried in the past and perhaps marketed, as you suggest, a little bit more narrowly? Yeah, I would say that Zima is probably a pretty good example of that because, you know, it was really popular in the 90s when it was introduced, but it kind of fell out of that popularity because it was, you know, more popular with younger women um, and wasn't considered to be very macho. Um, and so people, men gravitated towards beer and that wasn't appealing to everyone at the market. So I think that that was kind of an example that didn't do as well. Um, but Mark Anthony brands, which is the one that brought, that owns White Claw also had Mark's, Mike's Hard Lemonade, which Mm. that really blew up in popularity as well. And so that was kind of a, they're kind of known to disrupt the beverage industry with both of those brands. You know, as quick story on Zima, as someone that may have drank some Zimas prior to uh, being legally allowed to do so, uh, <laughs> I'm plenty legal these days. And I was at a, uh, a local retailer, I think it was last summer, and they had a, a case of Zima. I think they had released them, uh, you know, for a special release during the summer. And I, I literally looked at it and I go, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I grabbed it and... Uh, Oh, the nostalgia that came through with that brought me back. Um, so You're still you a fan of it, White... even 10? I'm sorry? 
I said you were even a fan of it today when you had oh, it. It was fantastic. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, both not just nostalgia, but I, I, I have to admit, I was like, wow, I'm surprised they have not brought this back to be more popular because, or more, um, you know, a regular item because I think it would be popular because I think today people are more willing to drink an alternative. Um, I would say I concur with you. Even even when we we're drinking it when we were younger, it was probably still, um, you know, a fan of the misogynist. Let's say that, right? So so being mm-hmm. able to say, oh, the gorilla drink or whatever. And uh, while I, I don't suggest that society has been healed of all of its ills in that area, I think that people are probably far more open and willing um, to drink whatever these days and eat whatever. Um, you know, wear whatever, and it's just uh, accepted. I think, you know, today you could be a man and drinking Chardonnay, whereas I don't know. I'm just not sure if that would have flown decades ago. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that Zima hasn't come back with that kind of lighter, crisper taste, and um, you know, capitalized on, I would say, the less judgmental aspects of our society. I don't know if that's true in every corner. It's probably not, but I think that people are more willing to, to drink whatever. Um, so on that note, what, do, do you, is that kind of one of the trends that you're seeing that's being capitalized? I guess I would label the trend as, you know, openness to, and, and less maybe gender barriers. I think alcohol has always found its way into, you know, let's, let's say what, what, what would be male, right? It would be whiskey, right? Beer, you know, um, and female would be what Chardonnay and, and fruitier drinks, but I feel like anyone can order or purchase anything now. Is that is that part of why this is rising? Well, yeah, I would say that I think that a lot of these companies kind of painted themselves into a corner because they were marketing stuff into into female and male corners, and people are are you know more varied than that, and so women wanted to drink these stereotypical you know male beverages that were marketed towards them and i think that that we've seen a lot of crossover there and i think that companies are trying to adapt to that and not market to just one gender because that really you know limits them so i think that we've seen a lot more of you know just putting this beverage out there and trying to appeal to everyone Mm -hmm. now you mentioned white claw which is uh, i would say one of the brands that you focused on in your your article which i would encourage everyone to read it's at fooddive.com published on november 14 of this year 2019 uh what are some of the other brands that are out there and it was truly and a couple others and how do how do they support or play off each other or is it strict competition is is choice going to remain in this marketplace let's talk about kind of how wide this category goes right now Right. So White Claw is definitely the category leader. So that has about 60% of the market share. Um, so that one's really leading the pack. And they've kind of capitalized on that a lot this summer. And other people are coming into play now to really compete with them. Um, but White Claw, you know, they had so much growth this summer that in September they said that they were facing a shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting because I talked to a couple analysts for my story who said that 
you know, whether this shortage was planned or not, it worked out really well for them because there's nothing that makes a drink more popular than the limited availability on the shelf. You know, if you there's a restaurant that you're told you can't go to, um, it just makes you want to make a reservation for later because it's so popular that there's a, there's a reason why. Um, so that really helped White Claw, and they've kind of just been the top selling, selling brand in this category. And then a lot of the other brands are, are owned by Big Beer. So we have Truly, which you mentioned, which is owned by um, Boston Beer Company, uh, which makes Samuel Adams. Mm. And they're the second in the category, second largest. And uh, they're also, you know, a big player. But we've seen so much more and so many more that are coming into the category over the next year. Um, so AB InBev is now doing a natural light seltzer. Um, So that's kind of interesting because they're trying to appeal to those college-age fans of Natty Light and making it cheaper and a little higher alcohol level than the other hard seltzers. Um, And AB InVive also has the Bon & Viv seltzer brand. And now they're, they're also launching a Bud Light seltzer. So that's definitely a lot of competition adding into the the category. And Constellation also announced that next year they're going to be having uh, seltzer under their Corona brand. So a lot of these beer companies are seeing the growth in the category and they want in, which has been interesting. And we'll definitely see how that works out as more of these brands kind of launch into the space. Wow. So, well, two things there. One, it's nice to hear the college students are still doing their cost-benefit analysis of the least amount of money spent for the highest amount of alcohol that you can <laughs> procure. Um, that aside, so, so that's, this is really interesting because it's kind of mixing of, 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 of branding here. You, you were saying natural light or Bud Light or Corona hard seltzer. So it, it, it's not only going to be owned by those companies, which of course are owned by larger uh, international conglomerates, but you're saying it's actually going to be labeled like a Bud Light hard seltzer. So, so the brand equity of Bud Light will be borrowed in a non-beer way and placed towards this uh, spiked seltzer. Is that is that what I'm hearing? That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll be called Bud Light seltzer, um, and it'll be on shelves next year. So they're going to come in the same types of fruity flavors that we've been seeing, like this strawberry, lemon, lime, but offer, you know, a totally different experience from a beer. Wow. Um, you, there's, there's been parallels drawn to the craft brew industry. Uh, I would say in a few ways, one is explosive growth, um, but also acquisitions as well. Right. Um, yet it seems like craft beer, um, which some analysts suggest is suffering from potentially a, a little bit of a bubble, I know some breweries here uh, in Southern California have, have closed. Um, not that it's not being drank. It's just, I think, saturated markets. But um, craft beer seems like there's it, it also has benefited from an, kind of an infinite exploration of flavors, right? You can, I mean, it, it, you can make a cocoa flavored, you know, pineapple wheat beer or something. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, it seems to me on the surface that spiked seltzer might be a little bit limited in that. Um, there's obviously different 
fruit varieties, your black cherries, mangoes, limes. But I think we can all perhaps see in a limit to how many of those flavors you can really place out there. And I would also suggest that spike seltzer isn't as rich of a flavor as craft beer, just the layers and complexities to it. So looking ahead a little bit, um, how, how does this segment grow if if it doesn't have that benefit that beer and wine have had to it? Uh, again, on the surface, I'm suggesting it doesn't have the benefit of just infinite, infinite varietals and flavors and depths and textures and so on. Uh, how, how does it continue to grow from here? Right. Um, well, you know, it, it still has a very small percentage of the overall beer, cider, malt beverage category. So mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, not taking over by any means. Um, but it is spec- expected to, to continue to to grow as a category, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, and I, I see your point in, in that, you know, craft has kind of stumbled and that was supposed to be a big growth point for, for beer in general. So I think a lot of it is we'll have to see because a lot of these companies are getting into the category and that's going to create a lot of competition and, and could slow down the growth of the whole sector. Um, but I think that you can compare hard seltzer to craft beer and that they're they're both beverages that are not going away, but they're not going to replace everything else that's out there. So we'll just have to see where this growth kind of goes, but there are some limitations in flavor innovation and, and taste that you can't really, you know, expand exponentially on when it comes to spiked seltzer. Mm-hmm. Do you... Um... I don't want to put you in the spot here. Do, do you have any background on on how it's manufactured and the ingredients within? It's something I've always just been curious about. I at once assumed and was wrong that it was um, kind of vodka in a can, but I, I think that it's actually the alcohol within is produced entirely differently. Do you have any, any background or understanding on that? Yeah, so, I mean, commonly it's... Um used as a, a sugar base for fermentation, um, so made similarly to beer. Um, and hard seltzers, since they're brewed kind of like beer, um, that's important because it allows them to be taxed like beer, and that's at a much lower rate than spirits. Um, so that's kind of interesting because that's why they're able to keep these price points down. Um, and it's because of the lower alcohol level and the way that it's brewed. Um, so that's that's kind of how that works, which has been beneficial to the category. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, as it suggested, it probably has helped the growth that it, it hasn't, uh, you know, had to... I, I, I think it's about the same price as beer is about what I see it in retail as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the article, again, I, I suggest anyone uh, dig into it. You, you speak with pretty much, you know, all the main players in the industry. You can get it at fooddive.com. It was a November 14, 2019 article. Um, Lillian, I want to make sure that folks know where they can follow you. Um, you're on Twitter and that is at, L-I-L underscore Byington, and that's spelled B-Y-I-N-G-T-O-N. Uh, is there anywhere else that folks can follow you uh, so they can they can 
track your articles. You're always covering, um, you know, very contemporary um, topics. Uh, I know that you've recently written on the cannabis industry as well. Um, how else can folks connect with you? Twitter would probably be the best way, but you can always email me if you have thoughts about the industry. I'm happy to talk about them. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Um, sort of just, I, I'm always blown away how something can go from nothing to just, you know, seemingly massive as this category has. Uh, and you covered it really in depth, and I appreciate you coming on today and sharing some of the data and insights, and um, you know, even just walking on the the path with me is to try and see where this industry might be going in the future as well. So, thank you very much for joining. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, a Chef's Best production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.